that, listen, we need to run from politics. We need to run from... No, what I'm saying is, why is it that we end up waving the flags of politics in this, in this country? Why is it that Christians have to wave this flag when we're not of this world? Our purpose as ambassadors is to represent Christ. It's not to debate politics with people. It's not to debate party, political parties with people. It's not to, to spew out stock, talking points of the political parties amongst people. Our purpose as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, is to what? To be ambassadors, to represent, to be salt and light upon this earth. That is our purpose. That is the main reason. So, to answer the question that was posed, what does the Bible say about social justice? Well, the Bible is for justice. God's justice. I want to be clear with that. God's justice. God's truth in justice. And, and when we have discussions with the world, listen, when we're having discussions with the world, we need to be quick to listen. Be gracious in hearing. I would advise be very specific in defining terms. Because when somebody says a word like social justice, if all we do is spew what we read on Facebook, we're not going to have a very long conversation, are we? But if we ask them to define the term, what does it mean to them? Why is it significant? And, and find common ground to then begin to, to explain why you have such hope and justice. And bring Christ into the conversation. Has far greater value than winning a political argument. Does it not? So yes, the Bible is for justice. The second question that I pose to you, and um, I'll try to speed up a little bit here, is how do we keep Christ centered on the issues that doesn't speak, uh, that, that the Bible doesn't specifically speak to, i.e. racism in America? I, I, pu- I put this question because, I, and I've kind of already touched it, but I, I put this question because I think as believers, sometimes we get lost in the rhetoric. The Lord is sovereign over all these things, right? Nothing happens upon this earth without the Lord, obviously, ordaining it. Yet, when we look at all the events that happen within this year, not just with, with, with a virus and a pandemic, but socially, the Lord permitted it. The Lord ordained it, in a sense. And the Lord allowed these things to happen. Now, what I, I, what bothers me, and forgive me for giving you my opinion, but what bothers me is when believers are reacting as, are reacting as themselves and not reacting as Christ would want them to react. And more specifically, I, I want to talk about the issue of racism. Now, I, we don't normally talk about racism here, and, and, and it's a bit kind of comfortable. And I will say I feel uncomfortable talking about it because, to me, my experience being a minority, I, I would say that racism is not really impacting my life. But that isn't necessarily true of others. Empirically, racism is wrong. But yet we live in a culture that racism does happen. And you may say, okay, well, come on, no, 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 let, let's not get all political here. I, and I'm not trying to. I, 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 I can give you studies and surveys and, and experiments that were done w- within the last five years. Data that shows that there is, that there, there is a, there's an inequality between whites and blacks. And, and it's just data. I'm not giving you my opinion. I, I'll give you an example. Um, Consider a, 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 a survey done by Dr. Uh, Diva Pager, I, I believe is the name, right? They took, uh, they, they took a pair of men, one white, one black, about the same height, about the same build, and they gave them the exact same resume. Just changed the name. 
And all they are, one black, one white. And they went to, to, to entry-level jobs. And they just went and applied to entry-level jobs. They applied to entry-level jobs. This is what the result was. It says that the whites received a callback twice the rate of the blacks. And this was a study done in 2018. Same resume. The only difference is the skin color. Now, they took the same two men and they gave them a different resume except the fact that there was a criminal record on the resume for both of them, white and black, and did the same thing. They went out and applied for entry-level jobs. The white applicant who had a criminal record received 20% more like 24 24 20% more callbacks than the black one that had a criminal record now i i give you this statistic because that is today society in itself is not perfect is not colorblind and and i can give you more and more studies but racism is very much real now i'm not going to debate whether it's systemic or not because that's a whole other topic but socially, there is racism today. Now, I, I say all that. When the Lord allows these things to happen, and the, the, the African-American community is hurting because they, they watched a man that looked like them be snuffed out. And I see believers spewing out facts. Oh, well, you know, black-on-black crime is more... What does the scripture say? Are you not to mourn with those who mourn? Are you not to weep with those who weep? How how is it helpful? I I, I don't understand, and and, and I, I implore you. I implore everyone. Listen... When the Samaritan woman went to Jesus, or it's the other way around, when Jesus went to the Samaritan woman and says, I'm thirsty, can I have some water? And she says, oh, how is it that me being a Samaritan, you being a Jew, ask of me to drink water? In other words, why, how, why, how could you? I'm a Samaritan, you're, you're a Jew, we have nothing to do with each other. Why would you ask me for water? You know what the Lord says? Completely bypasses the racial issue and says, Oh, if you knew who was asking, you would ask him for some living water that you may never thirst again. Brothers and sisters, when when, when things happen in our culture, take yourselves out of it. How would Christ react? How would Christ respond? Would he weep with those who are weeping? Of course he would. Listen, the Lord, when he heard John the Baptist, his cousin, had passed away, and not just his his earthly cousin, but but, but, but one, a man who he admonished was killed and beheaded. He he looked to be secluded, it says. He took his disciple to to a desolate place to find a, a time of quiet and of peace. It says that the crowds found him. They searched him out and found him. And it says that the Lord looked upon the crowd and had compassion and had compassion on them. Brothers and sisters, this is the call to the believer. Are we a compassionate people? Do we show grace? Do we show empathy in these things? Forget the politics. Forget what the Republican Party says. Forget what... Ben Shapiro says, I don't care. What does Christ say about these things? That's what matters. We can argue with somebody and prove them wrong logically. To what end? Can you witness to them after the fact? Can you share Christ with them after the fact? Now listen, I'm not saying that we should not stand for truth. By all means, listen, truth matters. And we should speak in truth. But we should speak it in meekness and gentleness, the word of God says. So how should a Christian respond to things that the, the scripture doesn't necessarily speak to? Because there is no verse that says that America is not racist in the, in the Bible. I looked. 
We act as Christ would act. He was quick to listen and slow to speak. He had compassion when no one had compassion. He loved those who weren't loved. Moving on. Um, the last question, what should, what should the believer's stance be in regards to BLM? And, and I, I, I dropped this question in because I, th- this is the, the, one of the major questions of our culture today. And so I, my question is not a straightforward one, as you may imagine. But if you ask a believer, do black lives matter? Well, the, the scripture equivocally would say, yes, black lives matter. Now, just like social justice is an unclear term, so is BLM, so is Black Lives Matter. Would I condone a believer to follow BLM or Black Lives Matter and their organization? Well, I would say to you, if you're going to back the Black Lives Matter organization, I would encourage you to go to their website, go to About, and go to see what we believe in, and read their Statement. And I will tell you that their, their statement or what they believe in is not exactly biblical. If Black Lives Matter said, listen, we're for black people and for finding equity in black lives, and they stop there, I would have no problem with them. But they go beyond that. They're against, they're against orthodoxy in marriage, they're against they're against men. They're against uh, 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 what we call biblical family life. They're for transgender and, and LGBTQ and all these things. So when somebody says, are you for BLM? Well, I think you have to define the term. As I said at the beginning, I think we need to be gracious with these terms. As a believer, as a Christian, do black lives matter? Absolutely. Absolutely. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, they matter. God loved them. God died for them. Now, do I align myself with the organization? No, I, I don't. Because against, it goes against the truth of Scripture. Remember, everything has to be filtered through the, the truth of Scripture. Where is true justice? It's found here. It's not found in, in, in CNN or, or, or CNBC or, or Fox or anything else. It's in the scripture. Let me give you one verse or, or, or a couple of verses before we close here. Go, go to James chapter 2 for me. And then I'll open it up to the brothers to, to kind of share. James chapter 2. And then we're going to begin reading of verse 14. It says... What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, it does not have work. I mean, so that does not have works is dead. Now, I bring this up for two main reasons. And I want to take this passage and apply it to two different perspectives that we find today. Number one, I, I, there's, there's a lot of what you call social media warriors. You, you, you're probably aware of some. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, you, you have certain people who are social media warriors. And they'll get on there and they'll say, I stand for BLM, I stand for social justice, rah, 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 rah. And I say to them, words are empty. Words do not warm and fill anything. They have no effect. One of the problems that our culture has is, in my opinion, social media. That somehow social media has replaced reality. 
and because I put a, a, a black background on my profile picture, I somehow, I'm a righteous social justice person. That means nothing. And, and, I, and I bring that example to then relate it to you and I. Because it, the, 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 it's true of them and it's true of us. We can sit on social media and we can share and post all the nonsense we want. It does not warm and it does not fill anybody. It's just words and pictures. It's emptiness. You want to do the work of God? Well, do the work of God. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require labor. One thing that that this world would note, that would take notice if God's people would put their hands to his work, would love those who aren't lovable, would love the orphans and the widows, the marginalized. And what that looks like, listen, what that looks like, it, it would be unique in every single person. I'm not telling you right now that we all need to go out there and start marching. What I'm saying is the Lord has placed you in a specific sphere of influence. The people that Mike gets to meet on a day-to-day basis, I will probably never get to meet. And vice versa. And it is my place to show the love of Christ to those who are around me. To be the salt and the light. And if we don't, we fail. We fail as his church. I leave you with one little story and then I'll open up to the brothers. Uh, the late Ravi Zachariah was um, sharing concerning the, uh, the, the story of the, of the coin. And, and, and he was saying how uh, they asked about, is it lawful for, for Jews to pay taxes? And he asked, bring me a coin, bring me a coin, bring me a coin. And they brought him a coin and he says, whose image does it bear? Well, they said Caesar's. And he says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And Robbie says, oh, I wish you would have turned to the disciples and said, whose image do you bear? Whose image do you bear? Render to God what is God's. That's beautiful. We're not to be about politics. It's not, it's not who we're supposed to be. We are God's image bearer and we're to render to God what is God's. I, I hope all this information was semi clear. <laughs> I know it's a lot and it could be confusing, but I, I, I do welcome at this time, uh, the brothers, please. Uh, there is a microphone that's going to go around so if you do have a comment or a correction, please raise your hand and uh, Mr. Timbo will uh, will get around for the sake of Zoom. Uh, we've got Brian here in the middle. I, I like what you said, um, uh, especially pulling out from James. Um, there, there's a lot I, I would like to say, but I'll just sum it all in this because about four years ago, well, actually more than that since I've been with the team, they're, they're very – charge towards a a particular uh, party standing in the group that I work in. Now, we haven't seen each other in a couple months, but I remember just sitting there in quietness, kind of listening, and I felt in myself, you know, I need to start, I felt like this urge to start arguing with them because it's so, like, to prove them wrong. And then I had to cut, uh, and sometimes I almost got dragged into it, you know? And then I said, you know what, this is, you know, this four years ago was the more hotly conscious. Now, I I don't have any kind of political party in, in the sense that I'm trying to put. But what I was pulling out is, I, what I got to this point is, what is the most important thing as a Christian, really for people, but as a Christian, what do I, what's the most important thing that people don't, don't know Christ need? Jesus. And so when I got to that point, I said, man, I got so far away from what can change their life. Not a social program. Not a group that they can talk about their problems and, and, and cover something and, and, and see how they can do better. That, that's all good. But what can really change lives? Jesus. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, if you've ever read this book, but, um, well, actually, uh, I'll start with this is that, you know, and really quick, sorry about that. Um, 
But Randy, I don't know if Randy coined the term, Randy Amos, but he used to say, um, and I've heard of him from first, that the, the heart of man's problem is man's heart, right? And so you, we can look at all these issues, and, 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 but they're just branches of the root of the problem. Man's problem is sin. doesn't matter what color you are, it's there. I don't know if you caught this when, when Lewis um, was speaking. Remember that group that left the United States? They left suppression. They left slavery. They ended up turning around and doing it again in the place that they went. Now, when you, when you shake your head and say, hold on a second, you just left that. It's just like that book, Animal Farm, George Orwell. You know, he, he highlights it's an allegory of the Bolshevik uh, Revolution. But, you know, what they were fighting against then was the czar and his oppression and whatnot. But that ruling party that was fighting it not long after became even worse, right? And so what, what am I getting at? Is it because it's, you know, it's the bad Russians or it's those um, people that left America and went to Liberia? No, it's man's heart, right? I have that same heart in me. I have that same tendency, you know, and the only thing that can change it is Jesus Christ, right? And, and, and God has had an experience in whether you're a dispensationalist or not, you know, he's had experiences in letting man dictate and rule, try to curb that evil. It's never worked, right? Man has failed, right? And so the only thing that's going to change this world is Jesus Christ, whether he's going to come out and conquer evil once and for all, or he's doing it in your heart right now, right? That's the gospel. Thank you, sir. Um, I also, like Brian, would probably have multiple things to say. Um, I'll try to keep it concise. One thing is that, and I don't think this is going against what you said, but just adding a different angle to it. Not everything political is strictly political, right? So in our society, lots of things that the world by and large would say that's a political matter actually goes beyond politics and goes into the moral realm. Well, God speaks in the moral realm. Right. So when we come to matters like abortion, you said homosexuality, transgenderism, we have somewhere to turn. So on those types of things, I would suggest we do have the right. We don't have to necessarily just be this is our sole purpose in life is to champion these causes. But we do have the ability to stand on truth and say this is right and this is wrong. This is not a matter of politics, in my opinion, in your opinion. But God has spoken on these things. These are moral matters, not strictly political. Second of all, just to reiterate that, yes, when it comes to, as I've been listening to and reading and listening to reading, everyone on different sides of the argument with social justice, those that are for it, those that are against it, and so forth and so on, the reality is, is that, again, if you don't define specifically what you mean, you may end up with injustice in the name of social justice. You will end up with things that are opposed to God in our society opposed to God's justice in the name of social justice. And you mentioned some of them. So the, 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 this thing is big. And I would just recommend, let's stick with biblical terms. So, so if we have to avoid social justice, well, I believe in God's justice. What point do we want to talk about? What are you speaking about? Let's look at what God has to say about it. If God speaks on it, I'll stand on that. So we can stand on his terms. So let's not end up with injustice in the name of social justice. And lastly, with anything... And, and I'll be careful at how I say this, but anything that the world promotes or pushes or the media by and large pushes, we should be careful, at least be wary right away to think, okay, if we have a God in this world, which the Bible says we do, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those and so forth. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. If we have an agenda being pushed in the world, Right away, we should think radar. Like, what, what, what's going on here? Is there something more to this than what it appears? Because remember that the God of this world is a God of lies and a God of deception. So, so when we come to any particular agenda, movement, whatever it is, I'm not saying we just say absolutely not, never, but let's be very careful to understand what really is going on here. OK, because remember that in all of Satan's agendas, in all of his heresies, there's some truth right from the Garden of Eden to Matthew chapter four with the Lord Jesus. Here is Satan quoting scripture to the Lord Jesus. So here we've got bits of truth. And I would suggest that in lots of what's going on in society, it's exactly that there are bits of truth. 
But in a lot of it, I'm afraid that the God of this world is behind it, and there's an agenda that's bigger than what you may see on the surface. So like you said, Black Lives Matter, yay, I agree. Well, wait a minute, what am I agreeing to? That kind of a thing, right? So there's more to it because there's a deceiver behind it. So think about this, and I just share this biblical illustration in closing. And by the way, Satan is the father of lies. I mean, I, I think we're all pretty convinced of that, but the deception of Satan all throughout the Scripture, there's lots of verses to support that. But think about this. John chapter 12, Mary takes some costly oil. She anoints the feet of Jesus... A man comes in and says this, Why wasn't this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Oh, we've got a just cause here. The poor, they need help. So imagine I'm there and I say, Well, God loves the poor. I jump in with this cause. I'm with him because I care about the poor and God cares about the poor. Meanwhile, what's being done in the name of justice is actually in hatred to the Lord Jesus. There's a deception going on there, right? So this is the way that Satan operates. We should be aware of it. We should be very concerned when the world is pushing agendas. We should be looking diligently before I jump on board. Let me be sure that I know what I'm jumping on board for because the God of this world is the father of lies and of deception. Get some breathing space. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say something similar but not equal to what Mike has said. Um, many of these movements always mimic a religion, a faith, but not the faith that we believe in. Because in all these religious beliefs, people can justify themselves by their actions or by expressing their virtue within the belief system. For instance, if you want to call it social justice, wokeism, whatever it is going on right now, you express that you are righteous and get the satisfaction of feeling righteous by relinquishing all the things that you may consider a privilege or that you have racial heritage or something like that on topic, right? And you get the satisfaction of feeling righteous by doing that. So this is a works-based religion, to define it on our terms that we understand, right? But that's not our message, and the only thing I, I, I suppose coming into this that I thought and prepared about is so what's the Christian's response to any other message other than the gospel? That all other me- messages pale in comparison to the message of the gospel. What greater message is there that God became flesh, lived among us, offered himself righteously to be the sacrifice for all of our wrongdoings, regardless of race or creed, and has now established access to any individual who will come, what other message would you rather align yourself with than the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? When God's justice comes, he will stand over all men. This is what we believe, right? So I don't, I don't understand the mentality of a Christian who wants to be in in line with any other movement other than the movement of Jesus Christ primarily. This is not to say that any other movement in the history of mankind has not been righteous or has not been good, but to pick up another message and put it subservient to the message of the gospel, you might want to reconsider and reevaluate your faith and what you truly believe. And that's, you know, that's to the young people because young people have a very strong black and white sense of right and wrong. And they, they have the energy <laughs> to get involved. And they have the time to get involved. And when you say the word justice, I believe in justice. But God's justice supersedes man's views of justice. And the greatest justice you can do your fellow man is to tell them about the judgment to come and the Lord who died to save you from it. 
So I think that when we evaluate all these messages, we, we need to first consider the message that we believe in, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think a lot of that gets lost because we, we get easily turned away. Like Paul would say to the Galatians, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You know, we didn't receive the gift of God and the grace of God by righteously acting in our own ways, right? We received it through faith in Jesus Christ. I think a reminder as we, as we hear all these things around here, we need to think nothing, no other message that can ever be spoken by mankind will supersede God's message or His messenger, Jesus Christ. All right. Someone over here. Yes. That's right. Let me just read this verse. Um... This is what it says of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generations? For his life is taken from the earth. There's justice. His justice was taken away in order that ours might be established. That's righteous justice, not social Righteous justice. We have three minutes. Anybody else? There you go, Malcolm. Oh no, he's running over here. It's interesting to look at where do we see racial prejudice in Scripture. One of the stories that came to my mind was uh, Numbers chapter 12, where Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Interesting to note, it says, They spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit tells us that what motivated them to stand against Moses was a racial prejudice against his Ethiopian wife, but it wasn't said. There were other issues that were presented for their cause, but the real root of it was hidden in the background, right? And... The, day, the problem with this whole issue is that that's what happens in our society, is that the, 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 the prejudice and partiality of the heart of sinful man, we justify ourselves by other arguments and allow ourselves the freedom to act, as we've already heard, deceptively so. These things are covered, and, and it, it, it requires us to seek God. It requires us to, to, to proceed with caution in dealing with our own hearts as well as anybody else's. Uh, because we have lived in this society, well, most of us, for our whole entire lives. And so we have uh, oftentimes adopted uh, uh, patterns that we don't even realize sometimes. And, and, and it requires us looking to the Lord for guidance in that. When you look at... Uh, what the Lord asks of us to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. I'm very challenged by the story of the Good Samaritan. See, because the first two people who walked by that man bleeding on the, on the sidewalk or the roadside, they were very outwardly appearing religious they had reasons for passing that man by that they had justified in their mind it was a good thing because I'm going to serve God. And that agenda of theirs usurped genuine compassion and love 
for that man in need. And yet we see a man who has indeed, often in his lifetime, probably been ostracized and cast to the wayside himself, perhaps even by the the very group of people that that bleeding man was a part of, a Jew. But it says he looked upon him with compassion and stopped. And of all the people in the story, he was the one who honored God. And, you know, it's been a hard thing to hear as a, as a white American Christian, the strong rebukes coming from our brothers in Christ of color, accusing uh, many white American Christians for not coming alongside the plight of the injustices that people like they have experienced. And um, yet I must say that when I read Scripture and I see verses like these in Isaiah 58 where the people were very religious at fasting, but God said, is that the fast I really was asking you for? Wasn't it that you might feed the hungry and release those who are being oppressed and, and, and not to turn away from your own flesh when you see them in their need? And one of the things that I think that we need to be careful of in, in trying to uh, uh, sort through all this and maybe even defend ourselves is to realize that that there have been times where we have been, and, and this is a awkward word, I know, complicit, not moved with compassion to do perhaps what God would say that we should do. Proverbs 24 says that the people cried out and said, well, the scripture says, deliver those who are drawn toward death and hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. But if you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Or we could say his lack of deeds. So maybe the answer for us is not to run off and get involved in movements. Not to criticize those who are caught off in movements. Some of them are there because they feel compelled to do something. And an alternative to those movements may not be within their view. But what if God is calling us in this moment to be those who will stand up for those who are experiencing and are in need of some mercy and judgment or justice right around us? And may they find us, the people of God, leading the charge in the right things. And I don't know what those are. I don't think that the political movements are the answer. God has told each of us, love your neighbor as yourself. So who is my neighbor who needs that help? We heard some examples from our brother on Sunday, a woman who couldn't feed herself. And that lady traveled six miles or three miles, however it was on foot every day to go feed that woman. She was acting in love to meet those needs. That is the kind of social justice I think that God is calling us as the church to pursue. And it may not start a political movement or a nationwide thing, but it can have an influence on the, on the circle where we live every single day. And that's what I believe will honor God in the midst of this. And it's, we're never going to correct the overall problem until we get involved in the specific problem that's right under our noses. May God help us. You still want to share brother here? All right, brother Malcolm. You're up. You're up. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. My mind went to Genesis chapter 18. The judge of all the earth will do right. Social justice, we're assured of this. The judge of all the earth will do right. Now, what the judge of all the earth did in Sodom and Gomorrah would certainly not have seen justice to the world. Right. But you know what happened? It says there that there was a cry that went up right against that those cities. A cry had come up. Now, that cry started in Eden. Right. The voice of your brother's blood. Right. 
cries to me. The judge of all the earth will do right. So there was a cry that came up. So when, when, when we look across the United States of America, just like we look across Sodom and Gomorrah, there's a cry that's going up, right? To the judge of all the earth, and he will do right. We are assured of that. Heaven heard that cry of Sodom and Gomorrah. And heaven heard the cry in Minnesota. Whatever. That was an injustice. Undoubtedly. Okay, so heaven heard the cry. Now that was an injustice. And then sometimes, so the message is simple, that when a society is out of harmony with uh, with God because of sin, he takes note. So bless the Lord that the judge of all the earth takes note. And then they came to him in Luke 13 about injustices. Did you hear about the blood Pilate mingled with the Galileans? And Oh, the Galileans. They must have been pretty bad sinners. Oh, let me give you my opinion on that. No. Except you repent. That's the, that's summing up over here. You shall all likewise perish. So bless the Lord. We can take a biblical view. The judge of all the earth will do right. And the, and the, and the underlying issue, right, is we need the gospel. Except you repent. You shall all likewise perish. Thank you. Thank you very much. Right. Yes, one more thing, though. <laughs> Not two, just one. I'm just kidding. Brother, go ahead. Um, just two verses that I wanted to read. And this goes, I think, goes along with everything, but there's always a balance of truth, right? So, Second Thessalonians 3.10 says this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Okay? So, when we look out upon society at large, yes, we have compassion for the poor. There's no doubt about it. However... Biblically, we recognize that some that are poor, you may not like this, but they deserve to be poor. They're, they refuse to work. And the Bible tells me if they do not work, they do not eat. So that may not be politically correct, but that's the reality. Having said that, we use discernment because there are some that are poor because of circumstances beyond their control. And that's where the discernment of the church comes in and says, here's a brother or sister, or here's even someone in the community that needs help and so forth. But we use discernment because it's not all cut and dry, uh, clear. It's not, we can't use groupings, right? That's what social justice does. Everything's by groupings. Well, it's not all by groupings in God's eyes. God deals with the individual. He saves the individual. He judges the individual. And furthermore, there's one other verse. And again, this would not, no one in society would want to hear this. But this is also true, although like was said, there's injustice that comes at a, at a governmental level at times. Yet, the Bible says, Romans 13, 2, Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, I don't know how else to interpret that. But there are going to be times where there are some, they deserve to be arrested. Yes, there are going to be times where there may be injustice, no doubt about it, from a a police standpoint or whatever. But there are going to be times where some deserve to be arrested. And there are going to be times where those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. I didn't say that, but the Bible said that. All right. I'll get one more chance. Please, Luke. I think we should be careful to give any credit at all to this movement as if they are actually trying to help the oppressed. Because underlying it all, it has nothing to do with the oppressed and everything to do with an election. I mean, at the end of the day, I understand, we, we know the Bible, we know the things that, obviously, we're, we, we have the Holy Spirit, we're helping our neighbors, we're loving, we're looking for opportunities, all these things, but to give this the attention as if it is some sort of viable movement that's looking to really help the oppressed, it's not. It's simply a money funnel to support the Democratic Party. At the end of the day, all money that goes to Black Lives Matter is funneled into Act Blue, which is funneled to Democratic candidates. That's a fact. So I know that's very political, but it's also very true. Another thing I wanted to say is that whenever I think of oppression, my mind always goes to the apostles. 
if you had a scale from 1 to 10, and 10 is like someone who's never, ever, ever, ever been oppressed, and 1 is their whole life has been oppressed, where do the apostles fall? What did the, what did the, the, the apostles all got one thing, death. I mean, we just read in Acts about Paul being stoned half to death and dragged out of the city. Be, could you imagine someone throwing rocks at you until you die? Hung upside down on a cross, boiled alive, shot with arrows, burned. So I think it's important that as, as believers we remind each other, you know, Christ chose the apostles and which one of them received equality or fairness or, you know, lacked oppression, you know? Um, we, I mean, we're, we're, you know, who am I to speak here? Fat and happy in America. But I, I think as that, that's a, a, I don't know. My mind always goes back to the apostles and what they received. Thank you, Luke. All right. I think we'll land the plane at this point. No. You, you have to say it? All right, Brian. No, no. As far as encouragement, um, I, I think, what what would really now I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself, is that when we when we find ourselves charged about something, it's because there's a pride issue, and I and I find myself and I, I mentioned this even on the pulpit, you know I need to stand for I've been wronged, I need to stand for I need to get what's mine, you know I need to stand up for it, and we we get very we start justifying the means of what we want the to achieve, and and really. Um, now, this might, and what I'm going to get to is the point is, is as a believer, right? You know, you know, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came down, he taught something on the mountain and it shook their, their whole ideas because he took what the Lord told them a long time ago and they have turned it into something that was foreign. And he says, listen, no, this is what it means. And he told them that, you know, you've heard eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. He says, listen, if somebody slaps you in the, in the cheek, turn to the other side. And if we never allow ourselves, that opportunity, we never will enter into that blessing of being able to suffer for him. If we're always standing up and say, I need to get my own rights. I need to get what's mine. If I have that attitude with everything, yeah, I'm going to start getting into arguments about people about these issues. You know, we can sit so sidetracked with the, as a believer, right, because of these certain things. But really, what is it that matters? Remember, Jesus Christ is the only thing that can change lives, right? He's the only thing that really... In the end of the day, that's what's going to matter is what have they done with Jesus, not what they did in this, not if they funded that party, whatever. I mean, those are all great. We can use it as springboards, but, you know, we don't want to get away from the fact that that is what, uh, what is really important. Just, I'll say one closing thing, and I promise we'll pray and, and, and wrap it up. Did he? Give me one second. So I, I do want to be abundantly clear, right? To the believer, to the born-again believer, right? Our, our justice is in Christ, right? We may be receive, as, as our brother Luke was saying, we may be persecuted. We may suffer injustices, but he will right all wrongs, right? We're not going to sit there and cry over it, right? When I talk about this social justice thing, it's how does the church react to it with the world, right? The world calls for justice. What does the church say? Well, you know, the, the, we all suffer, therefore you have to suffer too. No. Well, God is for justice. We stand for justice with you. If there is oppression, we should stand against oppression, right? So th- th- there's, a, there's a balance and there's a difference there, right? We, who are made right in the eyes of God, God calls us to all kinds of things. There is suffering and martyrdom and all these things. And we don't cry, where is my justice? Our justice is in heaven, right? But don't believe it, they don't have that hope. Right? And they look for justice. And we should find that justice. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Just, uh, I was thinking of two examples in Scripture of, of modeling what we're just talking about here. Abraham, when he was traveling with Lot, when they could not get along and they needed to separate, Abram turned to Lot and said, you choose one direction, I'll choose the other. And he did not demand the right which he could have for himself, of as the senior, selecting which way to go and sending Lot the other way. When it came down to his own rights, he was willing to be wronged for the sake of the peace that was needed between Lot and his 
and Abram and their, their men. Now, you go to the next chapter, and Lot was taken captive by the kings who attacked Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abram didn't sit back and say, well, you know, there's injustices in this world. No, he rose up and he took his army and he hunted those men down and he sought the freedom of the captives, right? And so when it came to his own personal rights, he was willing to, for, to, to forego them as unto the Lord to, 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 to not demand his own rights, but he did seek justice for Lot and for those others. The same thing could be said of the Apostle Paul. We read in Philippians that he says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. What he's saying is, I know what it's like to have plenty and I know what it's like to be starving. But he never once complained and said, so listen, you need to be giving me some money. No, but when he heard about the saints in Judea who were going through a famine, he wrote letters to all the churches to let them know of the need so that he could bring relief to the people to feed the poor. So when it comes to ourselves, we should be careful that we're not out demanding our rights. Give me what's mine. That's not like Jesus. As our brother said, he was willing to lay his life down that we might have life. But that was the point. He was looking out for our need and he was seeking. We couldn't afford justice, but he paid the penalty for us to set us free, right? So I think those are great examples of our Savior of Paul, of Abram, that, that it's not about getting what's ours, but looking out for those who God would have us to give ourselves for, for their sake. Amen. All right, let's close in a word of prayer before somebody else raises their hand. Actually, no, I kid. Uh, if there's more to be uh, discussed, by all means, we're, we can hang out afterwards and have the discussion. Um, we're open to uh, discussing all these matters. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, we we thank you that we have your word, Lord. Lord, we ask that um, all that was said tonight, Lord, would would uh, glorify and honor you, Lord. Lord, Lord, we 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 pray and you help us to to find balance in it all, Lord. Yes, you are for justice and truth, but yet you're a God of grace and truth. Uh, Jesus Christ says he was full of grace and truth. He he embodied that perfect balance. So when our Lord Jesus Christ would, would go to Matthew's house, who was filled with, 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 with tax collectors and sinners and harlots, never did he defile themselves by, with their presence and their talk, but he also showed them grace and love. Lord, let us be a people full of grace and yet truth. Lord, I ask all these things in your son's precious name. Amen.